Hey, Mark, fake banter for the intro. That's all I know how to do. Great. Good to be here. Welcome to Tuesdays with... Stories. Hit her in the face with a surfboard. And then the duck fell out of his bag. <laughs> Surf's up. And she didn't even flush. Knock, knock. Who's there? Mark Norman and Joe Les. Yeah! This is Tuesdays with Stories, everybody. No, that's terrible. This is supposed to be cheesy. My radio is spitting at me. Hey! Here we are, folks. It's Tuesday. I'm Tuesday, and that's Fat Big J. No! Big J? I needed a rhyme. Oh, I see. Fat Gay Big J. Hey, that's fun. But you're a a thin, thin Lizzie. Ah, I'm I'm on two hours of sleep. I'm gay. I'm all over the place. Yeah, I got bad sleep. I was with family. Uh, I'm all fucked up, too. I I just got here. And then I started, I've I've never said this in my life, but I started organizing a sock drawer like 30 seconds before this. Oh, big mistake. Now it's all loosey-goosey. You can't relax. I I got a pile of clothes on the floor. But I'm throwing away all my miscellaneous socks. All the solo socks are getting thrown away. I just got socks up my ass. Three are covered in cum, two in blood, and one in more cum than the other ones. So, <laughs> yeah, those I are just, the wigwams. Those are thick. They absorb. You're like Marie Kondo over there. You're, you're making your place uh, less cluttery. Well, my mother just found... Uh, I, I'm going to get into this later. I mean, I just went home for the Super Bowl... Uh, and everybody's all vaccinated, and some aren't, but whatever. And went home for the Super Bowl, hung with the family. And every time you go hang out with the family, don't you feel like you're a little further from sane? From sane? Sane. Sanity, yeah. yes. Yeah, of course. What are you kidding? That's that's our whole M.O. I don't even know what an M.O. is. Memorized opera, operandus. Memorial... Uh. memorial Oprah, it's it's operandi. Mm. It's it's Latin. Oh, okay. The, the M is silent, I think. Ah, uh, it's O. My O. <laughs> got it. Got it. Ma, ma, mis, uh, motor. It's motor eye operandi or some bullshit. Motor motor vehicle operation Moesha. I, I don't know, but yeah, that's our whole thing. I mean, the family. I, I was just with mine as well for three days. It's it's like running a tough mutter. You're sore after. You're foggy. Your your butthole hurts. It's a it's a rough weekend. Yeah, it's it's strange and it really just takes you back. I went through some old photos. I posted some photos from Disney that just I'm just horrified. I know. I mean, well, hey, you're goddamn adorable. I mean, you look like uh, you you've just met Jared Fogle. You're so miserable, and but you're cute as a button. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I feel like I really fell off. I feel like my kid handsome cuteness is not equal to this ghoul you're all looking at now. I don't know what went wrong. They gave me braces that didn't work. The forehead kept growing. Uh, I mean, the hair's spot on. I, I don't know what's going on with the jaw. I don't know if it's from sulking or blowing my parents or what, but... I figured it out because I stared at these for an hour and rub, rubbed one out, but I think I figured out what it is. Your body said, hey, we can stay this cute or we're going to keep growing. And I think some of your body said, let's just keep growing. So you just went lanky. You went full scarecrow. The forehead kept going. And it stretched you out like one of those old uh, mirrors. Yeah, it's bad news bears. Because at the time, I felt like, and 
the problem is I carried that feeling because when I was like a, a third grader, I could have fucked any priest on the block, but I had, so I had that early mindset of like, I'm cute, I'm adorable, I'm sexy, I'm dark, I'm mysterious. Right. I kept that going, but somewhere around 21, 22, I just turned into a, a fucking, I'm out of things, ghoul, pariah, I think we said, just a, a bad situation, but Gargoyle. I kept my little kid adorable confidence. Ah, interesting. I went the other way. I was a fat, fucked up teeth, scraggly, curly hair, bad skin, and I went uh like... But I was happy, and then I went sad and better looking. Interesting, yeah. I'm not saying I mean, I'm, a, I'm a piece. I'm just saying you should have seen me as a kid. I was horrific. Yeah, it's it's interesting, but somewhere along the line, I I've, I mean, I got to I got to share this. Uh, I don't know if I should save it for a little later, but I found Ooh. some some notes from when I went and got analyzed in like 1989. I was seven. What? It's, it's crazy, man. I, I'm having trouble dealing with it. I can't deal, Mark. That's why I'm off. If I see him off, this is why. Oh, we got to we gotta divulge into those uh, analytical anals. They pulled out my uh, analysis, my anal cyst, and, <laughs> and they kept it in a bag. It's a good band. And so now I'm looking at my anal cysts, and it's dark, man. I, I was like, a, I, I got some problems. I'm fucked up. Well, hey, I can't wait. Let's let's get in there. I mean, we we should call uh, Freud and go to Vienna, or whatever uh, Seinfeld says. We got to go deep because this is going to be heavy duty. You need a team. Um, yes, <coughs> but I have to say this: I was sitting in my childhood bedroom, and you know, I gave my parents the uh, the little card for when they like, "Welcome to the Tonight Show." Joe List. Yeah. And it, it's framed and matted. And after about nine months, they finally hung it on the wall. It was sitting behind a chair for quite a while that's something i threatened to take it back and then they hung it up finally but ah. um so they hung it up so it's hanging and i'm sitting in my childhood bedroom where i was just riddled with fear of aids literally and i'm like i, I did okay I, I got on netflix i got on the tonight show i you know i've blown a couple guys so i feel like sure. i overcame some stuff but man it's ugly up there yeah, yeah. Well, it's a it's a haunted house of of dark thoughts and twisted pleasures. So, but hey, at least you're uh, interesting. You could be one of these suburban cunts who who, who uh, just fucks a fireman and and pushes around a bunch of fat rugrats. Yeah, I got something going. You know, I got a like a career, some body of work. It's something. I'm not. Uh... You got two and a half million views over here. You're not. You're not watching The Bachelor, eating bonbons, and ordering Grubhub every night while you uh, you, you blow the cable guy. You know, you're you're cooking. Well, I hate the the Bachelor, or whatever. But I I do order Grubhub every night. I go with the other one, not Seamless. What's it called? Food Tube or uh... Uber Eats? Uber Eats. That's the one. I go Uber Eats pretty much every meal. And yeah. I, I did blow one cable guy, but and I saw the film quite a few times. Great, pretty good. Great film, though. There's, I think we talked about this already, but man, after the uh, porno password, everything after that is a piece of shit. Yeah, it gets real wacky. I mean, they're climbing a satellite dish. It's it gets uh, off the rails a little bit, for sure. But uh, anyways, I, I don't want to dive straight into this stuff because I'm not even ready. I mean, I literally just got back and check this out. I got my mother gave me. She had all these T-shirts saved. It was like a T-shirt from the Late Show with David Letterman. 
Then there's Ooh. this one. Do I keep this or get rid of it? It's my Belushi college oh, shirt. Oh, that was the coolest shirt when I was banging. Seven years of college down the drain. And you got to see it's like wonderfully wear and tear. I mean, look at these nice holes keep, in oh, here. Keep it. What are you kidding? That's a legendary shirt. That's a beauty. And it's softer, it's softer than a lubed baby's asshole, but I, do I need to keep it? I mean, what the fuck? Well, can I have it if you're getting rid of the... Uh, I'm going to wear that to my wedding. I mean, you could sleep in it, I guess, because uh, it's, it's soft and nice, but I don't know. You're like throwing away your childhood. And then, of course, your parents are like, I, I got to get rid of this shit. We got too much shit in the house. And you're like, it's the shirt I wore every day in eighth grade. You're like, well, geez. Of course, of course. It's, it's sad that it's shit to them. Like, I used to collect Star Wars action figures, not because I liked the movie. I just knew they'd be worth something one day. And I have every one of them. And it took years of flea markets and garage sales and uh, orgies, whatever it is. And I finally got them all. And they almost threw them out. I had to tackle my dad in the, in the, in the lawn when he was walking out to the garbage. I had fucking Jar Jar Binks and Jabba the Hutt flying all over. I had to scoop them up and put them back in. Well, it's funny you bring that up because I got the same situation over here, and my parents did sell them to Shirley Cooper, a family friend, and for like 12 bucks for the bag, and I had the Millennium Falcon and all that shit, because I, I was like obsessed with those movies when I was a kid, because I wasn't, uh, you know, I was still stupid, so I loved it, and I had all the, the Jabba Walkies and the, the, the Wookies and the N-Words, I had everything, and they yeah, just the threw midgets. it all in a trash bag. Yeah, yeah. Ah, oh, so they, they got rid of them? They sold them. This is, this is like, got to be 30 years ago now. I was still a kid. I was like 15 or something. Shirley Cooper, that fat coos. I bet she put them in her twat once and then flushed them down the toilet. I bet she didn't appreciate it. No, I mean, she probably, I don't know, fed them to the dog or, or blew them up like Sid, that Dan Crone guy from Toy Story. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was fucked up. Uh, yeah, I remember this is a sad tale, and don't repeat this. But one time, my aunt, she had a, a, my cousin, he was like two. So he was a little, you know, he was shitting himself and retarded. And he got a bunch of them from some other guy who died in Baton Rouge. His, her son died or something, so she got all the toys. So they gave it to my, my cousin, who was two, and I said, can I have these? And my aunt said... Well, he just got him, you know, he's two. And I go, he'll never know. And she she gave it to me. Oh, boy. Because he was too guy. stupid. He's had a soft baby, you know, water baby head, so he didn't know. This could be a situation where, you know, like the Seinfeld, where it's like the racetrack with Uncle Leo. Like, he hears this. You know, you're doing pretty well. You're buying houses in every borough. This guy could all of a sudden grab a lawyer and come <laughs> sue you for these, you know, uh, what are they called again? Darth Vader, Han Solo, Princess oh. Leia, Chewbacca. Action Wookie. figures. Ah. Is there another word for them? Dolls, toys. Fig I guess figures is what I was going figurine. with. Figurine. Figurine, yeah. Is that a lady figure? Ah, maybe, maybe. Is, is that what a wolverine is? Is that a lady wolf? I don't know. I got a lady figure. Uh, <laughs> Michelle Wolf. I haven't seen Michelle Wolf. Isn't this weird? I'm like... I texted with her maybe, I don't know, three times, but I haven't seen her in a year. Like We're coming up on a year of all the COVID stuff. Crazy. And, uh, you know, I've seen you a, f a handful of times, I guess, and uh, a few people, but she was out in Ohio. I'm like, that was like one of my good friends. I haven't seen her since 88. 
We used to see her every other night. She was a, a booze bag and a fun hang and a great comic and a big mop of red pubes. And I saw her in Texas, I don't know, two months ago when I went and did the, the Joe Rogan program and all that. And I've never seen her so emotional. Not emotional, oh. but, you know, she was like, oh, my God, Mark, get get over here. Like, she was never touchy or feely or any of that. And she was like, you could see it in her eyes, like, I've been out on this bender for nine years with these blacks, you know, yucking it up on a farm. Like, it's great to see you. <laughs> Jay Feely. But, yeah, I mean, I think it is going to be weird because I keep hearing these things. It's interesting because I keep hearing these things of, like, we haven't seen anybody. We don't know what it's like to hug. We haven't, you know, kissed on the lips since the 80s. We haven't looked at anyone's eyes since, you know, Teen Wolf was in theaters. But now... <laughs> <laughs> this weekend, I was with my family, and there was about 48 of us. And by the way, to all the fucking fucks that are going to text me and write whatever, literally everyone in my family has been vaccinated. They're all hospital people. Look at that. But it, We feel impervious up there. By the way, I mean, we talk about how the vaccine, if we go at this rate, it's going to take seven years literally to get everybody, blah, 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 which I think is a little scare tactic-y. Like, take it easy there, Ross Perot or whoever's in charge. And I don't know. I think... We're doing pretty good. If Deborah's got it, Liz, my mom's got it, my fucking fat dad's got it. It's getting around. It's getting around, and it's kind of like the the way COVID was, but like reverse. Early on, they were like, "Does anybody actually know anybody that's had COVID?" And it took like months before people yes. were like, "Yeah, my my mailman's uncle has it." Right. But the vaccine, right. I know a shitload of people that have vaccines. So same. It is getting around. And I probably shouldn't say this out loud, but I'll just tell you and no one else. A friend of ours, a guy we mutually know and, uh, you know, like, I, I did a show with him. and He's like, I got the vaccine. I was like, how'd you get it? You're a fucking nobody comic. And he was like, oh, well, I just made an appointment and I went in and they gave it to me and I left. Yeah, I heard. I think I talked to the same guy and I got another guy. Who he's been like, he's like one of these guys that's, you know, Jewish and knows how to work the system. And, and he's doing it like he's buying Pearl Jam tickets. He's refreshing at midnight and uh -huh. he's got a wristband and he camped out. But he's got an appointment and this guy's, you know, 43-year-old, you know, bald guy with a beard comic. So he just figured it out and he's got it going on because he knows how to, uh, you know, Google and Facebook or whatever these kids are doing. Yeah, he's a he's a hacky hacker. We he's should a, we should do that. Yeah, I just have you know what it is. I was just talking about this a moment ago. It's the same thing we talk about. I don't have it in me to look for the cheapest flight or the best, most efficient way. I just go. I go. Okay, I'll like the vaccine. I look at like booking a, a train ticket. I'm like, just give me it when it's available. Give me the easiest thing. I don't want to have to do anything. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Uh, I see. I kind of enjoy the win. You know, I like to beat the system, beat my wife, the whole thing, beat my meat. But I, I, I get it. I'm with you. I'm, I'm lazy in that way. But when you really get in there and get that thing that you're not supposed to get, and you pull it off, it's kind of nice. Here's what I think. Am I crazy? And I haven't been reading too much news, and I'm sure other people are bringing this up. But we're vaccinating all the 85 year olds. Shouldn't we be vaccinating like 25 to 45? And I'm not just saying that because I'm in that group, but don't we want to get back to normal? Yes. Get the workforce going, the economy, all that horse shit. 85-year-olds, 
they they don't leave the house anyways. They walk like their shoes are tied together. They go pick up the mail. They come back and they shit in their pants. Why are they getting vaccinated? Fuck them. I completely agree. And they, they sit in a rocking chair and say the N-word and read the, the funny pages. What what are you contributing to society? We're paying you Social Security and uh, Amex or whatever the hell you call it, NAACP, whatever it is. And we got to live. We got to run the, the cabs and the buildings and keep the lights on in this motherfucker. And I said it before. I'll queef it again. Once they're vaccinated, let us roam. Right to Rome. Right to Rome. I mean, I, I really do. I'm like, they should do it not by who's most likely to die. They should do it who's most likely to spread the fucking thing around. No offense to you personally. Yes. I, I'm just saying, like, they should be like, okay, this guy's worked 58 dates. He does meet and greets. Vaccinate this son of a bitch yeah. because he's out here <laughs> talking to every Tom, Dick, Harry, and Glenn. And, yeah. you know, these shut-ins, they, don't, they can get it last. They're, they're sitting at home. I, I look, I agree, but I think what spooked everybody was those those uh, nursing homes that caught on fire with the the COVID, the the spiking and the red scare and all this shit, and they all dropped dead. You know, Cletus and uh, and Jemima and Uncle Ben, they're all gone. So I guess we had to step in. Yeah, and the ones that didn't die, they're like impervious to death. They're like hardcore, so they don't even need it. Yeah, yeah, good point, good point. All right, well, that's the COVID corner. For the for the week, yeah, sure. I mean, but I, I do think I'm I'm excited. Uh, I'm, I'm but I'm re- I'm willing to be patient. I'll, I'll sit around here and wait. Uh, whatever, I'll, I'll take it whenever it it comes. But yeah, yeah, come in my my mouth. I'm ready for it. I want both of them at once. I'm I'm excited. I just want to feel safe, not think about it, and then not think about giving it to someone or whatever. Because I still. You know, I'm a team player. I try to play by the rules. I wear the mask. I fuck kids, whatever it is. But you just want a, a peace of mind. And a yeah, piece of exactly. I, I don't know. I just, yeah, I just want to, whatever, feel good again. I want to be back at the cellar in the basement and yes, ripping and rapping. But also, I'm like, I'm in Tampa next month, five weeks Ooh. from now. My buddy just sent me a... Um, my my buddy uh, Canner, his cousin lives in Tampa, and they won the Super Bowl two nights ago, one night ago, really. But they're all part. There's like a thousand people out in the street shaking and dancing. Yeah. And I'm like, this is good for me. I'm like, spread it all around, and then five weeks from now, everyone will be immune. Ah, I like it. I like it. I'm with you, man. I gotta tell you, Tampa, you're gonna have so much fun. I mean, you already love the club, but it's just the. You're not. You don't realize it, and I'm, I'm speaking for the uh, what is it? The collective you, not just you. You don't realize it, but like you go down to Florida or Texas or wherever, and you're like, oh, it's there's some life here. Like we've been in New York this whole time. This city is dead. This was the most vibrant, energetic city. City never sleeps. Whatever the hell, hobos, Jews, you name it. And now you go down to Florida. Right when you get off the plane, you're like. Ah, oh, I can feel it. It's in the air. The, the 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 fucking sunshine hits your cheek. The air tastes great. You get blown. They put a lay on you. You're going to love it. It's in the air, all right. But th- I feel like New York in the city, I mean, in the summer, they had it. We had it a little bit. I mean, the village was like packed and rocking yeah. and we were out everywhere. And our we, again, we didn't even like, people were like nervous about COVID we were under 1% for like four months testing. Good point. Good and we point. Had park hangs, and we were all at uh, Bear Burger, or the other one, Shake Shack. So 
We were popping for a while, popping and locking, uh, locking in, but I think we'll be back. I think summertime in New York is going to be rocking and rolling. That's true. And also, not to throw gas on this dumpster fire of a year, but have you heard of these articles? There's all these articles in the in the Times and the Post about these fucking New York nut jobs are going out to the suburbs. You know, everybody fleed the city and bought bought houses in Jersey and wherever, Connecticut. The neighbors hate them. They're like, you got to get these kooks out of here. They're too New York-y. They're too, like, you know, hustle and bustle, and they're fucking annoying all the cul-de-sac cunts. Interesting. So what are they, like, bohemians or gays or what? No, they just... They just don't sleep. They're playing music till four. And they think it's a. They think it's fucking Ditmar's Boulevard out there or Broadway. And they got, they got lights flashing. They're drinking all day. They smoke weed. They're puffing smoke in the kids' faces. They they poison their dogs. They don't want those around. I mean, they just they're in. They're out. They they hate them. Interesting. Yeah. Because I mean, I guess I see it because we thought about like maybe we should move to New Jersey and and you know we fuck in the ass till dawn every morning at least. Me and my nephew do. Yeah, you um, run on your own sketch, and you you every New Yorker just keeps out of each other's business. But these guys, they're all up in your taint. You know, they got a nose right up your your belly button, and and they don't like this this uh, this kinetic energy, static, too much. Ah, these fucking you know Albanian guy moves in. You never <laughs> sleep. No, it's 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 oft talked about and uh, depicted in in the arts, but. The stuff that we hear and we don't even flinch. I mean, I'm, I'm watching, you know, the Lost Boys, and I just hear like Rah! <laughs> a thud, a, a thud, and a squinch and a metallic squink, and <laughs> you don't like even pause. You just, you just, I mean, the sirens back in April. I was oh. in Queens, and it was just sirens round the clock and at no point was I like honey should we look out the window or anything like that and i was just at my parents house and it was a snowstorm and like yellow lights go out it's a sander and everyone's like heads up there's a truck everyone yeah. everyone runs out and we're looking out the window like a rockwell painting and i'm like it's a fucking sander who gives a shit yeah yeah but that's how it is i mean my gal's in the next room she's yelling rape rape and i'm like ah, i just turn up the tv i'm like shut up you crazy kook i'm trying to watch the 90 day fiance <laughs> Yeah, so it's a, it's a special city. It'll be back. I'm getting people messaging me, by the way, being like, are you moving to Austin? I heard Giannis moved to Austin. Giannis, Tim Dillon's going. People are people are moving, baby. And by the way, I have like this ego. I'm like, if I go to Austin, it's not for Rogan. My, no. uh, my, my wife's family lives there. Um, right. So oh, that, that's something. So it, by the way, we're not moving to Austin. It's not even on our list of fake places to move to. So yeah, I, I don't same. know, but this this could be like historic here with this Austin move. This is like when the movies went to Hollywood in the 30s. Dude, I'm calling it right now. I think I, I said it before. Austin's the new Hollywood. Uh, celebrities are moving there and Musk and Chappelle and Rogan and all these kooks are going there. By the way, fun to note that most of the guys moving are from New York. Giannis is from Brooklyn. Schultz is from Manhattan. He went to Florida. And Tim Dillon's from Long Island, and he's going to Tejas. Wait, Schultz moved to Florida? I think he's he's down there now. He's doing like uh, let's do let's do the winter in Florida. Ah, interesting. I, he, he's got the he's got the capital, storm the capital to uh to you know dro- drive or pop down and put up a studio and wear a fedora. No kidding. All right. Well, I'm gonna be right here in the uh, good old U.S. of A. Same, same. When I'm not on the road, I'll be here. 
Um, all right. So what have you been up to? I mean, I haven't seen you since, uh, I guess, last week. I'm looking at my calendar. I didn't take notes. I don't know what the fuck I'm at. I'm just looking at my calendar. Oh, yeah. That's a good way to do it. Well, uh, it's been a wild ride. Um, first of all, I didn't get back to the... I don't know how much I told you, but I didn't get back to the city till. Oh, yeah. We had to record me in Omaha because the snowstorm hit. I was... I was flying all over creation trying to get back to Manhattan, and uh, I got stuck in Dallas. Then I changed my flight to Philly last minute, ran to, to the flight, got on it, landed in Philly. Then I was like, I'll just take an Amtrak or a bus. Those are shut down because of the snow. So I just slept at a friend's house in Philly. I had to call. It was like the 80s. I was like, hey, man, uh, it's midnight. I know it's late, but I'm in Philly. Can I crash on your couch? And he's like, ah, I don't know. So I try another guy. He's like, oh, let me see if I can find a guy. He said yes. I get an Uber on the way. He's like, my wife doesn't want you to come. It's COVID. She's pregnant. I'm like, I get it. I get it. So now I, I'm scrambling. It was brutal. Wow. I, this is all from, because I think last we talked on the pod, you were just in Omaha and it was like storming. The next day the storm was coming and that felt like, it felt like planes, trains, and automobiles. You're like, I'm coming home tomorrow. And I was like, I got news for you, pal. You ain't coming home because I was watching <laughs> weather on the eights or whatever. Yeah, boy, were you right? The Omaha curse. Last year, this happened to you where you got raped in the uh, the Terminal 5 at Omaha for three days. It was brutal. I mean, I stole Malcolm Gladwell's book out of spite and I missed a, a film project. I was going to be, I had a part in a, Short film that ended up what? being, you know, nothing. But still, I missed it. And so wow. we both got almost a year to the day we got fucked in Omaha. Yeah, yeah. I hate the Counting Crows. Uh, I hate Omaha. The, those fucking Nebraskan corn cunters. I I got to Philly. I don't know what I was thinking. You know, you're at the airport. You see, you're looking at all the boards like, oh, Philly, that's kind of northeast. Let's go. And I jumped on. And so I finally found a guy. Eric Mann, got to give a shout out. He's the guy who did Park Norman and Park Roofman and uh, Anal Mark or whatever it is. And slept on his couch. He's a mensch. And the whole next day, we used it to just shoot footage. We made videos. We laughed. We had breakfast. We, we kissed. Uh, and then that night, I did a set at Helium with on Shane Gillis' show. Oh, nice. Yeah, he, uh, he texted me about that. I got to go do that. Was it fun? It was great. I mean, he's got a bunch of great fans, and they're all animals, and got a couple Tuesdays out there. We sold it out, and they all did drugs, and I found a bolt bus at 12.30 at night. I jumped on that motherfucker, and I haven't showered in nine weeks. Get on the bolt bus. There's two people on it. It's me and a fat Asian guy playing a casino game at full volume. Got to New York City at 2.45 in the morning, went home, and uh, put the feet up. God, that is so old school and yes. By the way, New York City, two forty-five in the morning in in February twenty twenty-one is is not what it was in twenty nineteen. That's a scary place. You got that right, fatty. I mean, it was like Grand Theft Auto. There's barrel fires. There's a hobo walking like through the middle of the street, you know, and uh, women screaming. I heard a baby crying in a dumpster, and just just getting home was just it's so eerie. It's like Taxi Driver, you know. God, well, I'm glad you uh, made it home safe. Uh, I'm glad you're not dead. And I'm also glad that yes. Tuesdays with Stories is brought to you folks by Manscaped. I got to say, it's Valentine's Day is coming up. And I can tell you right now, Manscaped is a great gift idea for all the lady gays for your man. And also for the, the men, for their partners or friends or whatever it is. And we were talking about it. I just went through and did a full 
excavation of my drawers. And I'll tell you what drawers I kept. My Manscaped. I love this yes. Manscaped stuff. I got a T-shirt. I got underwear. I got all kinds of great Manscaped stuff that they've sent us. But mostly what I love is the Perfect Package 3.0, the ultimate hygiene package for your package. The centerpiece is the Lawnmower 3.0 Trimmer featuring yes. advanced skin-safe technology with a ceramic blade to reduce grooming mishaps. I love the word mishap because it looks like it should be mishap, but it's not. It's mishap. Good plan. Great name for a drag queen. Mishap. mishap. Oh, I like that. If I accidentally <laughs> became a lady. Whatever. Anyways, you can also get the Crop Preserver, Ball Deodorant, and Crop Reviver. Ball Toner. Woo! Isotoners. They have everything you need to keep your balls from sweating, smelling, and sticking. Tell them about it, Mark. You got that right. I love it. I keep my uh, lawnmower 3.0 trimmer right in my uh, suitcase. Bring it everywhere. I love these guys. Uh, Manscapes, the best in the biz. Just in time for Valentine's Day. It's time to make February 13th International Trim Your Pubes Day with Manscaped. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code TUESDAYS. At manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. And you'd promo code Tuesdays. Thank you. Because he's my butler. Tuesdays <laughs> with Stories is also brought to you by Blue Chew. Get more confidence in the bedroom. God damn, I need that. Blue oh, yeah. Chew offers the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in a chewable tab. If you don't like swallowing pills... This is for you, folks. It works yep. fast. You can take it day or night, and you'll save a ton of money compared to the name brands. Blue Chew is the best thing about the Internet as online prescription service. That's pretty good. That yeah. means no doctor's office or waiting in line. Talk to a licensed medical provider to get your prescription all online. Everything oh, yeah. Blue Chew prescribes ships right to your door in a discreet package. Can't beat it. Tell them how Love to get it, Mark. Chew. I did it. I went through the whole thing, and it's easy peasy. You know, you stress a call a doctor, make a phone call. I got to talk to him. They, they do it so smoothly, so easy. It's They're the best in the biz. They do all the hard work for you. Special offer just for the gays. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use your promo code TUESDAYS. Just pay $5 in shipping. That is a steal. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com. Promo code Tuesdays to try it free. Get some confidence where it counts, people. Get Blue Chew today. Oh, that's exciting. <clears throat> Boy, it is, uh, I got to say, it's just nice to talk to you. I keep bringing up the family, who I love, and it's great and fun. <laughs> but to get back, get loose, even a day and a half away from home, I think that's part of all the staying in with covid it makes you miss your home more. I, I'm, yes. I'm getting very comfy here. I've, I've sunk my asshole into some teeth, and I just <laughs> I can't wait to get home. I love being home, uh, and, and, and it's great to, great to see you and chat a little. You too, fam. I want to hear about the family, but let me just say this. Speaking of family, you ever have this? This, this is going to get a little sappy and, and clappy, but I'm watching the John Belushi doc. It's like 2 in the morning. I can't sleep. The, the, the lights are out. It's just the... The shine of the TV on me. I'm in my underwear. I got a hand on one ball, another butt plug in my ass, and I'm tearing up. I'm Whoa. watching this guy. It's all about, I don't know if you've seen it. I haven't watched it. They show all these old poems and all this kind of photos of John Belushi, this Albanian 
kid in the middle of suburbs of Chicago just lost. Uh, what do you call it? What do you call it when you're outcast? He's a Ooh. weirdo. He's he's sensitive, but he's funny, but he's nuts and different. And it's the four or the fifties or the sixties, so it's like you got to be in a in a button down, tucked in with nice shoes and short hair. And he's weird and he's different. And he's he goes into his diary, and you're just tearing up. And you're like, I've been there. I know what that's like. And then his dad is from Albania, and back in those days. You couldn't be an immigrant. It was just weird. Nobody liked it. So he never spoke. So his dad was this weird Albanian guy. Whenever he spoke, he was embarrassed. Ah, you know, he had the thick accent. He's a hairy, knuckled, fucking diner monkey, in the, to quote Kurt Metzger. He wants, he wants the kid to work in the diner. He doesn't want to do it. He wants to be a star. He wants to be in comedy. And he has to break away, and I'm tearing up. But... It made me realize like how disconnected I am with my family. So I got on my phone. I emailed my my friend Jason, who films a bunch of shit. You know Jason Katz. He shot your special. Oh yeah. <laughs> now I know. So, yeah. So, <laughs> so I text him or email him, and I go, "Do me a favor. My parents are old. They're gonna die at some point. I'm never gonna meet them. Can you call them tomorrow and set up an interview?" interview them about me and then just put it away till they die and I'll watch it. Interesting. So he did it. He said, yeah, sure. I get it. And he, he, he emailed him the next day. They said, yes. And that's, uh, that's going to happen. Wow. That's going to be something. I can't wait for your parents to die. <laughs> I know. I'm going to watch it with one eye open. Like, Oh God, they're going to be mean and insulting even beyond the grave. Wow. I can't wait. I mean, that, that is really interesting. Although I, I have to say, this feels like a good step, but you might want to have that it. dialogue while you're alive and they're alive. I mean, that sounds, it sounds like your idea of growth, but you should go with like Alan's idea of growth. <laughs> you're right. You're I right. I mean, you're like, I picked up the phone. I got excited. And then you call Jason Katz. <laughs> I, I mean, know. call a cousin at least, a, a nephew, someone adjacent. No offense to Jason Katz. He did a great job in my special, evidently. I'd never heard of the guy, but I, I mean, you might want to, you got to talk to these parents. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. Well, maybe, maybe this will open the door a little bit and I can wedge a shoe in and kick it open the rest of the way. Yeah, I, I hear you. What we should do is, what if we did this? We, we each talk to the other's parents. Then we cut the bike in half. <laughs> uh, I mean, because I'm in the same the same boat here, and I do it every time. I see my parents all the time. I go up there every fucking six hours, yeah. and every time I'm in the car with two hands on the wheel, going, "This is it. I'm gonna really, uh, you know, kiss them on the lips and ask them why they hate me." But same, I, I get there and I just end up asking them about, you know, the weather, Monday night football, and yeah, and then uh, and then it's over, and I come back and I'm shaking and I cry to my wife, and then. You know, I have to put on her panties to escape. <laughs> yes, yes, it's the same shit because they make it so hard there, Fatty. Why? Do, how do they do it? You see them and you just cave. Everything crumbles on the inside. You got zero confidence. You turn into that five-year-old bedwetting queef all over again, and I just can't pull it out of me. 
Yeah, it's very difficult. Well, this leads us well into this uh, this thing. I got to read you some of these things. I mean, Ooh, there's not going to be a there's not going to be anal cyst. There's not going to be a dry asshole in the house when you, when I get through with you here. I'm sitting on a towel. Um, all right. So my mother, I, I went to see this guy Al. Ironically, we go to Alan. This guy's name was Al. Big I Al. I was seven years old and I was all fucked up. I never spoke. I was completely silent and angry and just a, a, a lunatic as a seven-year-old interesting and so i went and got analyzed by you know some pedophile and uh, <laughs> here are the note like he talked to my mother and then she wrote this back to him or like took jotted down notes hold on I- i'm nervous here wait give me a minute this is a, <laughs> this is huge all right go i'm ready it's crazy okay so one thing that the first thing that pops out here often asks about cancer, AIDS, and graves. Whoa. So I'm seven, and I'm, I'm, I'm asking my parents, I'm like, do I have AIDS? Do you have AIDS? You know, why am I gay? I, you know, is Magic Johnson okay? This is pre-Magic, by the way. This is 89. I didn't even know about AIDS. I, I was obsessed with AIDS because I think, I think that might be when Ryan White got it. I can't, I don't know. I haven't looked at my that? Ryan White dates. You don't know Ryan White? He was huge. Gay guy? <laughs> he was, he was, it's weird because I feel like we're so close in age, but maybe like that one year, because he was like the big guy. He got AIDS from a transfusion and Elton John sang to him. He, oh. he was like spiky. He was like hot. He was like a hot piece of ass, but his I ass that. had AIDS. Yeah. I didn't know his name, but I remember that. And then, then Philadelphia came out. Philadelphia was big. That was a little, that was post magic. What about Lou Gaines? Oh yeah. I forgot about Lou Gaines. He was Mario uh, Lopez. I think, or vice versa. Yes. <laughs> um, so it says, uh, okay. Oh, ironically, the notes are from Sarah's birthday. So my current wife, I saw him on April 17th, which is her birthday. So this is on my wife's 11th birthday. Oh. I'm getting analyzed. Fun. And it says, uh, Joseph appears to have a good number of phobias. I mean, and this, this is my, the last of my formative years. You, you got seven years to form, and here I am, and everything in here is me now. This is pretty impressive, by the way, that you knew you were very aware of the, of the world around. I'm, you know, when I was seven, it was chocolate, you know, uh, cartoons and, and candy. Well, I was afraid of these things, but listen to this. He is very immature and needs to be given some responsibility and have some limits set so i think i was just like running rampant over there and and jerking off all over my mother's tits he needs listen to this one he needs quality time with his father and a lot of boy things should be done together whoa well that's that that one she got right or he got right I think, I mean, quality time with my father, that's still what I'm, I'm longing for, of course. Yes. Interesting. This is a good, Al's good. And uh, boy things to do together. So I think they wanted us to go fuck some bitches together. Yeah. Well, by the way, this is all problematic now. Boy thing. Well, we got gender roles. This is all ruined now. Yeah. And then it says, uh, we need to spend time building his confidence and helping him to mature. And uh, hold on, where was Little League and all this? They should have thrown you on the on the field. I was already in T-ball oh. in Little League. Well, I, I was seven, so yeah, I would have been playing base. I started playing baseball in those days, but you know, it's T-ball's not anything really. You're just sitting there swinging around, touching your own dick. Sure. Um, hold on. Often asks uh, his anger comes out in his drawings. Mm. Joe is a very angry boy. So I had all this anger pumped up even as a child. Wow. Then 
He tells all, he talks about a guy named Justin, and he hasn't been mentioned for a while. We really don't think he exists. I don't I have no idea who Justin is. I had some guy named Justin. And blocked, all his, he blocked it out. She said all his stories are very sad. They all have to do with death, drugs, and divorce. So I was wow. like seven walking around talking about death, drugs, divorce, AIDS, cancer. Wow. And you're like an alt comic. It says he won't talk to us even if we specify something that could be wrong. Example, allergy shots. No one likes shots, but he won't even say the words. Whoa. Crazy. And then This uh, is unbelievable. It's wild. Hold on. Let me see what this word is. Oh, he denies doing something even if we watched him do it. I'll be like, ah, I didn't do that. Fuck you. That wasn't me. <laughs> and then he always leaves the closet door open. He checks behind the shower curtain every time he goes into the bathroom. He won't eat anything. He'll cry if we try to make him eat something. Still there. Still have it. And uh, we have spoken with his teacher. She said he seems to be fine at school. He volunteers. He's bright and has no problems learning. He does tend to be talkative, though, although he insists he never talks in class. Wow. This, you are a bit of a liar. It blows my mind. So I guess I would just, I, I think I didn't want to deal with the responsibilities. I was like, nah, I wasn't talking. Fuck you. And the teacher's yeah. like, he's very talkative. I'm like, nah, I never talked. You don't know what you're talking about. I was a big denier. Yes. Holocaust. It was all, all denying. And I think I didn't know how to broach a topic. So I made up this kid, Justin. Like, I, I didn't want to be like, hey, what's divorce all about? So instead, I would be like, hey, this guy, Justin, his parents got divorced. That's crazy. Yes. Interesting. It's almost like an Otto and George thing. You had to create a, a character to bounce off of. Well, it's funny you say that because I just bought a mannequin and I'm going to start doing that. No, not <laughs> oh, a mannequin. I fucked up the word. What's it called? Puppet. A puppet. Is that right? Isn't there another thing? What's the guy called? A ventriloquist. Ventriloquism. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I mean, I've never loved you more. This is touching. This is eerie. This is wild. And well, between that and the Disney photos... I'm like a tragic figure. I'm looking. I'm like, I just want to go back and, and blow seven-year-old me. Take me behind the uh, Mickey Mouse ears and, and suck me off because I, I don't know. what I was all fucked up. Wow, man. And for all the people who go, oh, Joe, he's, it's an act. He's not that scared. He's a fine little kid. He's got, a, you know, glasses and a forehead. It's all a shtick. That ain't no shtick. That's deep in the <laughs> shag. If it's a shtick, I wrote it when I was six. But it, it's, <laughs> it's crazy to think about. That that much can go wrong, go haywire between you're born, everyone's like, woo, he's a baby. You have no brain yet or whatever. And then within seven years, I'm afraid of AIDS and cancer. Another thing said, uh, we should stop talking about our fears as to give him more to worry about. Wow, man. Well, I don't know if you read the Woody Allen doc or biography, but I did. he talks about the same thing. He said he was the happy-go-lucky kid. Then he hit, I don't know, 12, and he just... Turned on a dime because he learned about death, and he's like, "This is it. We're just gonna die. What's the point?" And he just couldn't even, couldn't even get up in in the, in the morning. He was so miserable. Yeah, I think I got that early. I mean, the line he used that I love. He's like, "Once I found out that the game was real, I was like, deal me out." Which that's yeah. how I felt. I was like, "I don't, I don't want to play. I don't." And I felt exactly that way. But younger, I think when I was four, I was like, "We all die, and then you're just dead forever." Not interested. Fuck off. But obviously, to no fault of my parents, because they were 20 or whatever, and they, maybe they were both gay or whatever, they, whatever it is, but obviously within a, a year or two or three years, I felt different or not seen or heard, to use the buzz terms. 
Yes. And uh, I, I was miserable and, and terrified of all these diseases, which I've only gotten over like the last year. Yeah, you. I mean, you've come along gay. You're doing real good compared to how you used to be. You're you're doing great. Yeah, it's pretty. Uh, I don't know. So I, I gotta. I want to. You know, kiss Alan on the lips and uh, therapy and sobriety and meditation and all these gay things. But it, it it felt good because you're like, oh, it's it's none of it's my fault. I was yes. like this when I was a kid because when you're 35. And you're afraid of AIDS and you don't want to eat a sandwich. You're like, ah, something's wrong with me. I'm a cunt. I'm a piece of shit. But then when you see it was like a six-year-old, you know, a six-year-old doesn't have a choice. It's not like I'm deciding to be sad. You're just sad. You you were created this way. I got to say, this is going to maybe be harsh, but uh, I think Steve, first of all, he should have been you know, wiping your ass when you were little, but after that little chat with the with the Al guy and we got the results, he should have kicked it up a notch. Like he's that's when he's gotta step in and go, All right, I need to do a little more. I'm slacking here. My son's going gay on me. He's squirrely and weird. He's scared of the, the fucking thunderstorms. I gotta hug this kid and throw the ball with him and he still didn't. So I'm blaming Steve. Well I have to say this. We played catch all the time. We okay. went to two Sox games a year, but I think and and I love the guy. And it's not his fault. This is how he was raised. So, but there's more to it than that. You can't just right. play the catch. You got to be like, that was a great throw, Sonny boy. And, yes. And and more than that, even I think it's more like, what's going on? How come you? How come you're sad? Why are you scared of AIDS? Don't worry about AIDS. AIDS is for the gays. You're never gonna get it. You're you're cool right. or whatever. Whatever it is, cancer. You know, you don't smoke that much. So. Uh, it, it's more than that. It's, the, I guess, the feeling of, of loves and hugs or whatever it is. But, yeah, we were playing catch. He was there. And then I think about these people whose parents are divorced or whose pa- father, you know, steps on his balls when he's a kid and and all these people that um, are homeless or, you know, their mother smokes crack and blows it in their asshole. I, I don't know how those people are even functioning. Yeah, yeah. Here, here. So true. I mean, I guess in some sense, when you look at it at the sad scale, we got it, we got it good compared yes. to that shit. I suppose so, but uh, yeah. And then, like I said, between those notes and those Disney photos, it, it made me feel all kinds of feelings. I'm still dealing with it. Don't want to bring it up too much on a comedy podcast, but boy, there's a lot there, but it does make you think like, ah, this isn't my fault. Yeah. In the words of Robin Williams in Goodwill Hunting, this isn't your fault. Don't fuck with me, Sean. And then he cuts him off, right, as he says, thank you, which is so frustrating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, new big, new, new writers. Big flaw in the movie. But I got to say this. Tuesdays with Stories is brought to you by <laughs> Lucy Nicotine Gum. I need a cigarette. <laughs> the company was founded by Caltech scientists, former smokers, who want to help other people quit. They set out to create a better and cleaner nicotine alternative. It took three years of research and experimenting, and they made Lucy, a nicotine gum that actually tastes good. It comes in three flavors, wintergreen, cinnamon, and pomegranate. Each has a four, millig- eight, four milligrams of nicotine. Wow, that's a nice amount. Oh, if yeah. you don't like gum, check out their cherry ice lozenge. That sounds delightful. When you're craving a smoke, you just need a little something to satisfy the habit. I could have used this when I was seven. Get Lucy so you're prepared for the itch. You got that right. 
I got a nice couple packs over here. They were they sent to someone. I love that pomegranate. I just pop it when I need a pick-me-up. And uh, nicotine, not bad for you. Just the cigarette part. They're supporting this show, so go to support them. Get 20% off all your products, including gum and lozenge, at lucy.co with code TUESDAYS, plural. That's 20% off lucy.co and use promo code TUESDAYS at checkout. Warning, this product contains nicotine derived from tobacco. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. But you already knew that, so get 20% off at lucy.co with code TUESDAYS. Hey, look, you got to finish something and accomplish something during this pandemic. Might as well quit smoking. Quit, baby. Wow, that is riveting stuff. I mean, thank God uh, mom saved all that shit. She could have thrown that out with the bathwater, but good for her. That's a good mom. Yeah, she kept it. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It's all it's all un, undoing, you know. And but you do feel like, like I said earlier, you, I'm sitting in that bedroom reading that and thinking, you know, I, I got on the Tonight Show, I got on Letterman, I live in New York, I got a wife that likes me. I think uh, we got a hit podcast here. I've had sex with a whole bunch of women. I've been to, I think, 28 countries or so. So I've been to war. You know, yes. Before. I, didn't, I didn't fight, of course, but, you know, so you overcome and, and you do all the shit. And uh, so I feel good about that. And, yeah. Uh, I'm gay. But also, you read that, by the way, you're like, it's no wonder I was fucking drinking and shitting in shoes and getting herpes. I, I was a fucking lunatic. Of course, of course. And, and I, I hate to say it, but uh, I, I hear that stuff and I just feel like. I feel connected more to you because I was such a wacky kid and all my shit came out in bedwetting and all that. Like I, I kind of processed it differently and you actually had the fears and vocalized them. I just like, you know, would fuck my own ass at night and do weird shit. Yeah. And also what's crazy, like I said earlier about formative years, I, I carried those fear of disease up until, you know, a year ago. And it's funny because COVID was the first one that I was like, no more. This I'm putting my foot down. I'm not worrying about this horse shit. And then the whole world shut down. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Yeah. But I mean, I, I said it before. I'll queef it again. You're doing great. You're so much better. Even from when I knew you, what is that? Forty years ago, when we first met, to now, you're uh, you're you, you went from Woody Allen to Fonzie. <laughs> so that's a big jump. I'm not funny anymore. Wow, yeah, you had a couple. Henry Winkler has a couple singers. He's good in Scream. I enjoyed that. Oh, yeah. Forgot about that. I never watched uh, Happy Days. I'm sure it's fantastic. Eh, it's all right. It's a sitcom. But, yeah, yeah, you, you come a long way. I think I think we both have a lot of therapy, a lot of uh, listening, and a lot of understanding, and a lot of just facing shit. You just got to face it. Face it, confront, assert, you know... I don't know. I don't know what else. My dad was such a... It's so funny. We're so similar. My dad was distant in different ways. Like, I remember one time me and my brother were talking, and my brother was freaking out. And my brother's like, I heard there was a guy in the neighborhood who's... You know, our neighborhood was fucking terrifying. And we lived in a flop house, basically. And he's like, I heard there's a guy in the neighborhood. I read a newspaper. My brother was like a little whiz kid. And he's like, I read a newspaper. There's a guy walking around killing people. And I, I heard something at the window. I'm nervous. And my dad goes, well, if he's going to kill, he's going to kill us. So might as well not worry about it. And I, was, I remember being like, that's it. That's the advice. You fucking chooch. That's all you got. He's going to kill us. Yeah. That, I mean, that first part is helpful 
if there's a bunch of other stuff along with it. What do you I mean? I think if you're like, well, it's not, don't worry about it because uh, whatever happens, you know, there's wisdom in that. You can't sure. really control anything, so it's not worth worrying. Worry doesn't really take away tomorrow's problems. It takes away today's asshole or whatever. Yeah. So th- there's something in that sentiment that could be valuable, but you need like another 20 minutes of dialogue there. You need like... <laughs> Don't worry, we got locks on the windows. It's unlikely that anyone's going to break in. But even if they wanted to break in, which they don't, son, don't piss on the bed tonight. We got double locks. The police are here. Mom and dad are awake. We won't let anything happen to you. We're going to be having a threesome all night with your younger brother and and whatever. (laughs) And also, you know, there could be more dialogue. We love you no matter what happens, blah, blah, blah. There could be a lot there. Yeah, yeah, it'd be nice. It'd be nice, but he was uh, he was a stoic cunt and uh, had quite a temper. But let me let me try to uh, lighten the load a little bit here because this is some heavy duty laundry. Please. Um. Uh, so yeah, I went to New Orleans, saw the family. It's so crazy, and I don't want to get more into time and family and and life and death, but. I show up to New Orleans. By the way, flights are getting to be a nightmare. I'm connecting everywhere. I'm going to fucking Utah to go back to New Orleans. It's a whole rigmarole. But and the prices have gone up again. It ain't it ain't twenty dollar tickets anymore. By the way, I know everyone wants to get back to normal life, but normal life was a nightmare. Yeah, well, you know, at least we could hug. But yeah, I hear you. I'll hug you. All right. Well, I. I want to prove it. Come by. I got I got 18 uh, stacks of Cheesecake Factory cards for you. Oh, Jesus. I need a cheesecake. I'm going to Florida where I think you can make your own cheesecake in the kitchen. They don't even give a shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So take these cards. I got all kinds of Uber or whatever. You name it. Take my wife, please. Uh, yeah, so go down to New Orleans, and it's my mom's birthday. She's 71. She's still Still clicking. I mean, everything's working. She's a finely lubed vagina. And we go, hey, we're going to go out to eat with my brother. So my brother's got a wife and two kids, and there's a whole life going on down there. I'm up here in New York uh, detached, and you get down there. We all go out to dinner. My brother shows up. He's got two kids. They run in. Nana. They hug my mom. She's grandma now. They hug my dad. And they go, hey, weirdo. You're, you're that weird uncle who's selfish and wanted to f- pursue the arts, you know. But 20 minutes in, they they loosen up. And it's just so fat. These kids are growing. They're becoming a person with a personality. And they're getting bigger every time I see them. And my brother's a dad. And he's got got him in a headlock and a noogie and all that. It's It's wild. Just... Thinking, going from wetting the bed with the murderer outside to your dad saying, kill yourself, and then cut to comedy, podcast, TV, all the things we've done. Then you go back, you're like, man, so much has happened while I've been gone. Yeah, it's it's the weirdest thing because it gives you this window into what your life would be like. Yes, interesting. Yeah. And with children... You really see the passage of time. You know, you see your mom, she's old, she's fat, not much has changed. She just gets a little older and fatter. But with the kids, you're like, oh, you went from a baby shitting himself to talking, to walking, to now in school, to having a friend, to fingering. It just keeps going. So you see the real shift with the children. Yeah, it's the strangest thing ever. And it becomes really sad because... I know I've said it before, but you're like, you, you got to make sure you keep up those visits because otherwise they're a completely different person. You don't even mean anything to them. Yeah, it's so true. It's so true. Yeah. So 
I try to get in there, and they beat the shit out of these kids. Love Kids love to hit me, and I, I'll take it. You know, at least it's contact. At least they're having fun. I'll take the abuse just for the hang. But, uh, boy, they beat the bag out of me. And, uh, yeah, then, you know, they go home, and I don't see them again for six months. But here's the clinker. Went out to Lafayette. You know, the, the great Jason Leonard in the hotel. Yeah, yeah, I had a retard heckle me there. Oh, yeah, yeah, which is very rare. I don't know why you had that. I don't know what's going on, but maybe that was Justin coming back to haunt you. But uh, <laughs> we sold out a bunch of shows. We high-fived. We got a room in the hotel. We did it up, and we had, we had like, Cajun food every day and got drunk every night on whiskey, and it was just a magical time. It's the first place I ever did comedy was Lafayette, and to come back and sell some shows and have people know who you are and Tuesdays and Chipotle shirts and comedy and all that, it's just... It's a beautiful thing, and then you drive back, and you see the family again, you hug, and uh, just a just a great, great old time, and I, I got to tell you, going down to Louisiana, you're driving in that sunshine, and it's just free and open, and I know I make fun of it, it's Cajun country, it's coon asses, it's rednecks, and, you know, gators, but man, I, I, I'm proud of my home state and all that shit, and it all, it all comes back out of you, and boy, it was nice to get home. Yeah, well, it's funny. We were both home. We both had these introspective yes. journeys, I guess. But uh, I-, I can't wait to get into some sun. I looked it up. Key West is 81 degrees. I'm there this weekend. And I-, I can't wait to have a cigar, sit outside, take oh. in some vitamin dizzle. And uh, I- I'm-, I'm very excited to go. I'm at Comedy Key West all weekend with Nothing uh, better. Sarah you're gonna, and Tom Dustin. see your old, old pal, your ball and chain, your partner in crime, your, your number one, your ace. I haven't seen Tom in two years. Oh, my God. That's going to be great. You're going to have flip-flops on and a cigar in your mouth. Your feet are going to be up on a jet ski. And I hear the the shows there are bananas. So you're going to be doing it up. Yeah, I'm excited. I heard it's an all-new room and all that stuff. And what's nice about Florida, I know Florida is dangerous because no one takes it serious, but the COVID, but you can also be outside 100% of the time. Good point. Good point. So that seems uh, safe and nice. So I'm going to stick a bunch of cigars in my ass and, and really soak up the rays. I can't wait. Yeah. All right. Let me tell you about this this flight action, and then I'll, I'll get out of your hair. Sure. All right. Go to the parents. Up. My parents are into Breaking Bad now. Thank God, because it gives you something to watch and talk about. You know, otherwise, it's just, you know, you're staring at pictures of me naked, and they're going, look how little your dick was. Uh, you know. So... Here's the clinker. I got a flight out of New Orleans today, Monday at 6 a.m. Oof. Now, my parents live kind of in the Whitman Mass of New Orleans. Like, whatever Boston is and to Whitman is where my parents live to New Orleans. Sure. They got old. They moved out of the city. And so it's a good hour to the airport. So that means my mom... Wants me to get up. She woke me up at 3.30 in the morning. We left the house at 4. We got to the airport at 5. 3.30 in the morning there, fatty. I mean, do you know what that does to a psyche? I I do. It's horrible. It's what's it's similar, and there's studies about this, that lack of sleep, waking up at the wrong time, whatever, it's equivalent to drinking. It's like having. Yes. It's like you had 14 beers in the middle of the afternoon and then stopped. That's the feeling you have. You're hungover. Yeah, yeah, you feel, you're actually ill feeling. You know, you wake up, you're hungover, you kiss your mom, you're still drunk, you don't know what's going on. So we get in the car, my mom is the slowest driver on the planet. I mean, she's 71, so she's just like, 
ten and two, giant Coke bottle, red glasses, gray hair, uh, Crocs on, and people are just whizzing by. And I'm I'm looking at the dash. It says twenty two miles an hour, and I'm like, we're at a forty. We're on a forty lane. Get the fucking move on. But I could have gotten there in a half hour. We took an hour, and we finally get there. Now I got a connection from New Orleans in the Atlanta. And then I get I get to Atlanta at 8 a.m. and the, the flight's not till noon, so I don't get back to New York till 1:30, 1:45. So of course I'm looking at the board. I'm like, I can get back before that. What the hell is this shit? I find one going to Newark at nine, so I'll get there at 11 a.m. Those that two hours is is a game changer for me. That'll save my whole life. So I run to the desk, front desk. It's some old guy. He doesn't give a shit. It's it's like you were saying earlier. They don't care about your problems. And I go, are there any seats left? Can I switch to this flight? And he goes, are you gold? And I go, I used to be, but COVID hit. And it, it wiped my ass clean. And he goes, well, it's going to be 75 bucks just for standby. Jeez. Now, what do you think? Is that worth it for two hours? I've never flown standby in my life. I've only heard a million bits and shit about how standby. They wave there. You stand there saying bye, which is not a great bit. But oh, yeah. I, I heard all these nightmares about standby. It's the worst thing of all time. So I've never really done it, honestly. Well, if you don't get on the flight, they don't charge you, obviously. But I figure, hey, what the hell? So I go, look, man, I used to be gold. I fly every weekend. I love Delta. I'm gay for Delta. And he's like, eh, what do you what do you want me to do here? I'm telling you what the, the, the protocol is. And I go, ah! I walk away defeated. And I go, I guess I'm getting home at 2 o'clock. Fuck it, whatever. And then I go, you know what, let me call. Let me call Delta, just to throw it out there. I call, I get some nice fat lady in Utah. She's like, oh, it's going to be $75. I'm like, look, you fat whore, uh, I'm down and out. I'm on two hours of sleep. My mom woke me up at 3.30 in the morning. She drives like an old bat out of hell, actually out of heaven because it's slow. You got to help me out. And she goes, all right, fuck it. Here, you're on standby. And I got on the flight. Hell yeah. I see. No sta- standby and COVID has to work out. I, how many people are standing by, right? Yeah, good point. Good point. I mean, if you look at the whole flight, everybody had their own row. They had their own. And I had to sit next to some lady. She was furious because I think she knew, like, hey, what the hell? I got the one guy sitting next to me. But suck it, sister. I'm getting to Newark two hours earlier. You can handle it. Yeah, fuck her. I hope she's dead now. Yeah, she was actually kind of hot. But either way, we made it, and I, I came home. I took a nap. How do you feel about this? And I'll get get out of your hair here. When you come home tired, exhausted, and wiped, do you feel like you're letting your lady down a little bit? Hmm. Uh, no, I don't think so. Oh, maybe, uh, maybe a little bit. I, I guess so, a little bit, but I also am like, I'm pooped. What do you want me to do? I mean, like... You only have the energy you have, so... Yeah. Uh, I guess it depends on her reaction. I mean, if she's like, oh, I thought we'd go out and do this and that, then I feel like I'm letting her down. But otherwise, I feel like I'm just regular, hey, whatever. But I feel like I'm a guy that gets home exhausted. Travel takes it out of me. Yeah. I hate the fucking waiting. I, I hate every single person. I mean, I, you can see from my drawings that I, I'm, I got anger <laughs> problems. I, I hate everyone putting their fucking things over the thing slowly and getting off yes. slowly and waiting for the fucking cab. New York is a goddamn nightmare. The cab smells. It's all traffic. It takes you an hour to get home. So when I get home, I'm never like, I'm home. I love you. I'm always like, oh, fucking shoot me. And you need like a, a, a pad between yes. the arriving home and the greeting. Sometimes yes. it's ideal to me if I get home and she's out 
riding fences oh, and comes home like an hour later. So I have that decompress. I can shower. I can uh, whatever, read a book. And then she gets home. Then I can give the proper energy. That's the best because it's tough. She's like, I can't wait to see you. I'm like, I can't wait to see you too. But then the next day rolls around and you're on two hours of sleep, six connections and a Cinnabon. So it's a little lackluster. I show up. She's like, woo, what are we doing? I'm like, ah, I got I to gotta shit blood for a minute and sit down and take a nap. Not to mention, you've been on airplane mode for an hour. It's a Monday, so then you have 48 emails, 37 yes. texts, a couple tweets, and uh, you know, a, a nude from your niece. <laughs> I love a niece nude. There's a title. And uh, yeah, that's going to do it. All right, we got another uh, episode coming out, so uh, we got to save a little bit of juice. Yeah, next week's going to be a wacky one, folks. Uh, it's going to be old school. We used to do two in a day for years. Well, tomorrow or next week, sir, I don't want to give it away, but I want to hear about this Ari trip because I know that's going to be a, a big nugget in your asshole that I can't wait to watch you squirm over. Well, that'll be next next week. Ah. Next week, I'll have literally zero things to say on the podcast, but we'll figure it out. We always do. We always do. We'll digress and we'll... Uh, Undress. Thank you. All right, that'll do it. Well, thanks, folks. We love you. Get on the Patreon. It's cooking. Tea Public. I see all these shirts out there on the road. People are loving them. And uh, you got a pod. I got a pod. You got a special. I got a special. Help the family. Help the gays. Connect with each other. Where I got a Facebook page where all the gays are coming together and high-fiving. So get on board, folks. Yeah, do it. Suck your father's dick and eat your mama on a Wednesday. Here, here. Praise Allah. Thank you. Thank you.